Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist. And today I have an interview for you with Kuan Yin. And, you know, I've just been over here (laughs) trying to heal and take care of myself and really sinking into working with my new creative support clients who I already love so much and I'm also transitioning from my hierophant year into my devil year today if you're listening to this on Monday um, which is my birthday which actually I'm recording this a few days before because I am taking my birthday completely off I'm actually hoping to go to the ocean during the day depending on if it's raining or not over here but yeah I think I have a lot to share about this here font year and how that's um, manifested for me maybe I'll share about that in a future episode but I'm definitely curious and a little bit afraid for sure of what my devil year has in store for me so we'll see this is kind of a perfect conversation now that I'm thinking about it to lead into my devil year um, so I hope you enjoy it Kuan Yin is a Korean-American artist, emotional alchemy guide, and teacher of yin. Called the Gentle Warrior, she is a new global voice for the Divine Feminine Awakening. And I think for me, and I think I mentioned this in the episode actually, the idea of Divine Feminine is something that is so loaded and is often so gendered and made to be kind of just replicating really harmful sexist gender norms and gender binary. Um, So I really appreciate folks who are working with that idea in an expansive way. In this episode, we start off with Kuan Yin leading us in a grounding and centering practice, and then we get into her story. We talk about shadow work and trauma creating separation within the self, working with the different parts of self, working with shame, the energy of denial, denial of ourselves, denial of our pain, denial of our truth. Of course, divine feminine energy, perfectionism, anger, dreams and her connection to dream work, dreams as bridge. So it's a really rich conversation and um, I hope it feels supportive for you. I also just want to share before we get into the interview that I'm holding a Samhain virtual breathwork ceremony on Samhain, November 1st at 11 a.m. Eastern for ancestral healing, for release and grieving and honoring the energy of death, which is what this holiday and this season is really about. You know, it's about honoring what has been lost, what has died and continues to die within us. It's grief and it's mourning and it's honoring aliveness too, it's connection to spirit world and ancestors and guides and there's so much to this season and this holiday but I'm really looking forward to gathering for some grounding, for a tarot message, for sharing, for breath work and um, you'll also receive a sound ritual that you can do after the ceremony or whenever you like. The ceremony is on early bird price until Friday and just for a little transparency I feel like I'm wanting to share more openly about why I do some of the things that I do in my business and in my work and and there's so much to be said here but just a little bit about why I do 
um, have early bird pricing for these ceremonies and it's really just because it feels mutually supportive. Um, it feels supportive to me to have folks signed up early enough so I have a better idea of what I'm working with, how to prepare for the ceremony, how much I need to be sharing about it. It really lets me feel um, not stressed the week before the ceremony, like, is anyone going to sign up? <laughs> um, it feels supportive to know that there's already a container of folks here so I can relax and really sink into preparation and getting ready and feeling into the container um, and also it's a way of making it a little bit more accessible in this way that is hopefully mutually supportive um, so that's why I do that $33 is really the actual price of the ceremony and there's like a discount or a consideration for those who join early so I think you know, none of this is perfect, but that's kind of where I'm at right now and just a little bit of transparency behind why I have early pricing and that ends on Friday. And 10% of the proceeds from the ceremony are also going to be going to the Herbal Mutual Aid Network, which is a grassroots organization providing free plant-based care for Black people seeking support due to the ongoing crisis of racial violence and injustice. So I'm really excited to be able to support them and redistribute some funds their way as well. So link in the description, of course, would love to see you there. And here is my interview with Kwan Yin. I definitely want to hear all about your story and your journey, and I know I've heard snippets of it before, and it's a really fascinating story, so I'm interested to hear that from you, but I'm wondering if, before we get started, if you want to lead any kind of opening or grounding or dropping in together, anything like that that might feel good? Ooh, yeah. It's uh, a really good idea. I think, yeah, let's, we could just take some deep breaths. I don't think I've even really had some deep breaths <laughs> this morning at all. So. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll just do mm -hmm, tuning in. Just calling all kind of parts of ourselves, aspects, and calling them all and bringing them back into our bodies. And letting the breath be this benevolent force that kind of flows gently through, allowing gravity to allow our bones to settle softening into receptivity Sensing our roots growing rhizomatically down deep into the earth.
letting yourself know it's totally okay to be exactly as you are. Nothing needs to be different, just allowing. Letting that pure, allowing gentleness, this nurturing energy of, yeah, that divine feminine energy kind of fill every cell of the body. yourself kind of I like to orbit around just kind of around your hips or your shoulders or your neck where you feel like just organically letting the body take gentle circular helical motion As you let the tides of the breath and gently carry you back to your physical surroundings. And yeah, open your eyes when you're ready. You put me in a little bit of a trance there. That was really lovely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh, that relaxed me too. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, all right, I need to come back. This is a podcast where I need to ask you stuff. <laughs> Why not? I don't know. <laughs> no, but that, that was really lovely. <laughs> you know this kind of plasma plasma like almost like in this amniotic <laughs> fluid viscous place yeah i wish people could see those movements that you were just making <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> maybe they can imagine it <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah so I would love to hear a little bit or a lot, whatever you want to share about your journey to getting to where you are and the work that you do now, how this came to be for you. Mm. Mm. Yes. Um. Ooh, I'm like, where should I begin the tale? <laughs> <laughs> it's always the question. It's like, I know. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, well, I guess, mm, 
I could begin with, yeah, one of my, yeah, Dark Night of the Soul, you know? Yeah. <laughs> A number of years ago, uh, around 2012, 2013, undergoing like intense amount of suppression, like self-suppression, mm -hmm. which manifested as a lot of, yeah, also physical ailments with my skin um, and not feeling like I'm able to leave my flat. So spending a lot of time by myself in isolation and um, yeah, just kind of, yeah, very, a lot of shame. Um, and I didn't know what was happening with me. And I, and I also didn't realize that this was even a big enough issue to talk to anyone about really in a very, you know, um, authentic way. It was just, it was like very, very trapped in, I don't know what's wrong with me, but maybe there's nothing wrong with me. I mean, there is something wrong with me, but it's not, it doesn't matter enough for me to actually think that it's a big deal to do something about. So just in this very, trapped in a very negative cycle and um, and I came to a place where I knew that um, something had to shift or else if I kept going like this, this was, I knew that it was deeply unsustainable and um, extremely painful to be alive. And I was even wondering like, what is, and that's where, you know, I think being in a lot of emotional or any kind of pain um, really opens the door to ask very deep fundamental questions like, why am I here? What is the purpose of life? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and actually, I think that was my opening into spirituality out of total dire necessity. Mm. Yeah. And so um, there was a moment where, yeah, just a lot of, yeah, body shame, like body dysmorphia and, and yeah, a lot of, um, kind of letting myself be in really toxic relationships. Yeah. Also with my work and just so many things, um, that kind of had me really, I remember this moment where I was really just on my knees, just being like, please universe. Mm. I need like, I know I'm here. I'm, I'm here for something, but I don't know yet. And it's so frustrating to me that I don't know, but please 
um, if, if you could please just help me heal my skin because I was having um, a lot of toxicity come out through my skin through acne at that time. And huge source of shame. Um, that was another reason like, oh no, I can't show myself because this is, yeah, that's why I need to stay in. And, um, and somewhere that planted a seed in my mind um, that there was something that I just wasn't getting yet, but I knew that I would at some point. And I guess that was my hope through that time of really intense despair mm. that I don't get it yet, but I knew that there was some kind of, I was in some kind of, there was a joke I wasn't getting about life. Cause I'm like, no, how could things be so horrible right now? There must be something I'm just not getting, but you know, I, just being in that loop. And I think that had me really opened me up to being really open and wanting to seek unconventional ways. I kind of already knew though, this is something that's deeper than what I even know right now. Um, there's something, like a major blind spot. So I think that had me, that opened me up to really, yeah, seek, um, seek answers. And, and that kind of started my, opened me up on this whole journey of um, self, what, what, self-awareness or like, and the shadow work and kind of discovering, oh, wait, what? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have a subconscious and, <laughs> and, um, and this whole relationship to my repressed self and, and, and my inner critic mm. and recognizing that what I was experiencing in that present time was a manifestation of like really old um, beliefs and and like this way that I was relating to myself was actually, you know, one-to-one -one how um, I was treated as a child, the way that I was treating myself. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so it got me to really become conscious of my inner antagonizer. Yeah, that was creating so much turmoil and self-rejection and yeah self-hate yeah um, when you say the the inner antagonizer because i wanted to ask you about this because i also took your i forget what it was called but it was a class around shadow work that was really wonderful and oh. you talked about like the inner gaslighter there yeah. um and like what are these different parts of self that like you're speaking to and how do we work with them to I don't know, to be okay, to like maybe get them on our side or at least have like totally. some kind of understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, this just kind of blew my mind open learning about um, how trauma creates basically separation within the self. So any kind of um, unresolved distress um, creates splits within our consciousness. 
Mm -hmm. um, and so, so this is what creates a acceptable self, the one that um, needs to be the one that needs to be accepted and good to belong to your family, belong to your culture, society. And then it creates the other shadow self, which is the part that is not approved of. Mm -hmm. And and with the creation of that part that is um, disapproved of, um, it's so interesting how our consciousness, the way that it copes with all these different rules and, you know, um, and these hard lines with, you know, what, um, what is allowed and not. And that um, in that creation of the unacceptable self, that we have the ability to also create now a part that makes sure that um, we stay in line to make sure that the unacceptable self is not seen so that we don't get in trouble. And, and now this is where, this is the creation of that inner critic, inner antagonizer, mm -hmm, okay. and inner gaslighter. I mean, they, they're all kind of, they all hang out in the same, <laughs> like they, yeah, they have a similar function, right? Um, so that as long as um, we are internally keeping ourselves in check so that we don't get in trouble outside. Yeah, that we develop our own internal system of, yeah, making sure that we fit in with what is the external rules. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's so interesting. Like, that's making me think of this idea of like goodness and I was just writing something about this today how like I grew up in a Christian family so there's all that kind of like especially for girls and women like needing to be good yeah. um and like fit these like very specific roles of what it means to be good as a girl or a woman and that's yeah what you're saying is making me think of that idea how like there are all these things that we're supposed to be and we get all this messaging as kids it's like we learn in all these different ways. This is how we should be. And when we're not, and we can't be, because no one can be like fitting all these boxes, right? It can be really scary. And yeah, so we come up with all these ways, I think, to try and make ourselves that way. And it sucks. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And it sucks because, yeah, it's that internal lack of, um, I mean, there's we're living with all these polarities and contradictions within with, oh, I'm not that, but I need to be like this. And, and all those different fragments of self that are just living within yourself, but they're also, uh, yeah, like one part of yourself is rejecting another part. Another part mm -hmm. of the self is afraid and super vulnerable and yeah. Yeah. And convinced that it is, yeah, it's, it's just not worthy or, you know, all those things. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's where the shame piece comes in to me. It's like, oh, now I get to be ashamed that I have this part of myself or that I like, don't fit in with this thing I feel like I'm supposed to be. Um, and just like makes me want to push those parts of myself down even more and even more because mm -hmm. I want to receive love. I want to be accepted. I want to belong. And it's like, yeah, it's really hard. <gasps> 
<laughs> so hard. And I think that's what was such a big impetus for um, um, becoming obsessed with this kind of, of, um, of healing in, in what mm -hmm. I felt like was necessary for me to do to unsuppress myself because it was, that was the paradox. I was suppressing myself so that I could be long, but that suppression was killing me. Mm -hmm. So it's kind yeah. of like, okay, if I'm dying or if I feel like there's no will to live because I'm so tiring myself out, resisting who I am mm -hmm. in order to exist in the world, like something was like, something is not computing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stop myself from self-flagellating myself or being how I am, you know? And so I think that was the light bulb moment with, okay, I think there needs to be a radical shift and creating a new way of being in relationship to myself and relationship to life and others where I have to create a whole new pathway that has not been exercised or traversed in, and I was, and I was realizing through, I don't know how many freaking hundreds, thousands of generations <laughs> where this, this has been the way under patriarchy that we had to um, cope. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think I realized I had this epiphany of, okay, I think my life here in this incarnation and in this moment in time is to completely uh, invert that relationship to what we think is not allowed, mm. not acceptable. Yes, I love that. So there's just like, you know, a shit ton of, you know, friction. I think always, you know, growing up in my relationship to my mom because she's really like, no, everything's about no, like saving face and don't, don't do that because other people will think you look dumb or, and, mm -hmm. and feeling the intensity of that energy with me where, yes, I am fragmented. There are parts of me that are like scared, like, okay, you know, wants to obey and that I had to as a child, but then confronting all of that um, really straight on, I guess, during my dark night of the soul where I realized this is the pattern that got me where I am now in this ditch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so how, like for you, what was that process like of emerging from that dark night of the soul and starting to work with those like previously suppressed parts of yourself? Like what did that look like, feel like? Oh my goodness. Well, I think step one was recognizing that I was angry. <laughs> oh my <Yeah>. God. <laughs> recognizing that I have a problem. There's an issue yeah. here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like coming out of denial with, okay, okay, I'm in pain. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think with that recognition, um, I think things just started to open up naturally. Like, okay, if I'm in this amount of pain and I, I am, I'm wounded. Okay, I am not going to deny that anymore. 
Um, and then I started, yeah, working with um, different healers um, who, I guess that did kind of start me um, with looking at under um, realizing through that work that, oh, I'm not just one being, I am many different beings within myself. And that was a big paradigm shift. And starting to vocalize different aspects of myself and realizing, oh, I had no awareness that actually I'm in a, I'm in a constant um, relationship between these parts of the self. And, and realizing some parts I had, you know, they don't even really know each other. Ooh. Yeah. Um, and as long as they're not really understanding and knowing, knowing, um, knowing each other, then that's what creates a lot of antagonism and hostility. Mm-hmm. Because um, I realized I had a part within me that was it, was, it was pretty much, it was kind of, it was like my internal mom mm-hmm. that was just constantly just berating this other part that's like, why are you not, you know, good enough? Why are you like the way that you are? Why can't you do this good enough or something like that? And then not realizing that um, the other part is that way because it's being yelled at like that, you know, <laughs> like yeah. that relationship was creating the inadequacy, but it wasn't inherently inadequate. It was just, it was just scared and mm-hmm. helpless because it needed help. So yeah, so understanding the needs and the vulnerabilities of um, these different aspects and also understanding, seeing the needs and vulnerabilities of the antagonizer, because um, realizing the antagonizer is only doing that because it is also afraid. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's just trying to follow the rules so that it doesn't get in trouble. And so that's why it's hating on this other part because it thinks that it's ruining its chance for love Mm. and connection and approval. So yeah so recognizing and and yeah and and i think yeah definitely discovering the work of teal swan was a major um breakthrough with um understanding shadow work yeah and inner child work and i think that in conjunction with Ayahuasca was also a big um, teacher for me with, yeah, um, with also understanding shadow integration on a really deep somatic, like visceral level with, okay, it's, it's pretty much like, yeah, for the first time, um, really being taught how to sit with your pain Mm. yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. and having yeah experiencing like death of myself of um I think and death of thinking that I'm someone who is um because I think up until that point 
I just kind of always thought I was okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I just, you know, I can go around it. And I'm, you know, I, I, um, I didn't really think of myself as like a particularly traumatized person. I didn't really have that perception of myself until, yeah, until I realized, no, actually, <laughs> no. <laughs> You're like, wait. <laughs> wait a second. I am messed up. <laughs> but in like a way that like made me feel a lot of compassion for why I was so stuck and why I felt so blocked from creating. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, so yeah, starting to connect the dots and it's, it, I think it's ongoing. I'm constantly unearthing new layers of, oh, so this is why I'm reacting like this. And this is why, oh, this is why I'm having this, um, feeling this way. I'm connecting deeper into, yeah, all the imprints from childhood yeah. and before and yeah, which is a manifestation of all, you know, ancestral, um, ancestral, I guess, yeah, trauma mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. coming from Korea. Yeah, the Korean lineage, mm. which has its own particular flavor of patriarchy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we all have our own flavor of it, but we all have yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and what you're saying, like, I feel like this is so powerful for me to hear and for everyone to hear, but I'm, I'm wondering if there's anything for you around emotions. Like, I feel like this is so much of your work around sitting with emotions and emotional alchemy, right? And like, mm-hmm. how, yeah, I don't know, like holding that space for ourselves to feel big feelings and to actually process like somatically the things that we're going through is so intense and yeah it can it I think requires so much compassion because I think for many of us and this is definitely my experience too we learn things about feelings and emotions as kids and like I learned that's that makes you weak like that's bad you shouldn't be expressing feelings like that you shouldn't be feeling those feelings and then that's like a whole other unlearning to even be able to be okay with having feelings you know yes on a fundamental (laughs) level (laughs) yeah yeah so um yeah i think even while you were talking i was just feeling into this feeling actually that is um kind of a, i i noticed it's a pattern in me with oh um um oh what if i don't what if i don't do it right or answer it right or you know and then and then that kind of getting in the way of really connect just being in an open connected state because there's this impulse to, um, yeah, subconsciously and sometimes consciously bypass vulnerability Mm. to get to the next thing where it's concrete and it's, and, and, 
and I could appear good and smart and whatever, you know? <laughs> oh my God. I feel that so much. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like there's, there's so many subtle ways I recognize in myself where I catch myself doing that. Mm. Yeah. So I think somewhere my, I guess, I want to say like hack into <laughs> those states is, is really to come into, okay, let that feeling state of that tension of wanting to escape, to not feel something, um, let that be interesting. Mm. Oh, I love that. <laughs> no, because now we're getting into um, that, yeah, it is a liminal, this liminal space. And I think this is really also, it is the realm of the feminine consciousness um, of things existing before it becomes form mm. to something tangible. And I recognize in myself um, this need to rush through that to make something concrete and seen. Yeah, like to yeah. make it all make sense. I to feel make it make myself. sense, yeah. And that it's all just fitting in a box and it's just, <laughs> oh yeah, here's, here's the thing. And not to say there's nothing, you know, nothing wrong with that, but I think when we try to rush and bypass in order to get there because we're afraid of the more liminal unknown, where it's more vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And there's yeah. so much there for me anyways about uncertainty. It's like when you're in that liminal space, it's like you don't know the answer is <laughs> you don't know where it's going. And it's like, that's very scary for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what you're saying too about like, feminine like this feminine energy and feminine consciousness I'm really wanting to unpack that a little bit with you because yeah. I know like divine feminine is part of your work and it's something that I felt like I understood like when I first learned about it in spiritual practice and then I was like wait I actually have no idea what this is really about and I think yeah yeah there's so much to it so yeah I'm just curious yeah. about like what that what that means to you how you yeah so, oh, okay. So right when you were speaking, I was just thinking, oh, okay. Got to have Wikipedia response. Wait, do I know it? Wait, do I really know this energy? I don't know. <laughs> this is a quiz and you'll be graded and you have to get it right. <laughs> Gotta get an E. Yeah. I mean, like, thank you so much for saying that. Cause I feel that in myself like, so much too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Like having the right answer, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, oh, I gotta sound intelligent. <laughs> have to be an expert. Have to get it. Yeah, have to be an expert. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I guess I'm. I have to always. I think I also want to. Um, something I want to name is. Oh, no, it's really subtle. I hope it comes back. 
okay, but there's something about, yeah, I feel like divine feminine energy. Yes, it's, there's something, wait, sorry, I'm getting distracted because there's something. No, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? We'll wait for it. No worries. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe from the divine feminine portal, there's something else too. It's like paging. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, dang it. Maybe they'll come back. Yeah, they'll come knocking again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, um, I guess, yeah. I also, I like to use also the word yin to describe divine feminine energy. Um, but I think it's something that also feels really mysterious <laughs> to me, you know? It's something, a, a word that we hear a lot and it's, you know, and, um, but I almost feel like, it's almost like the Tao, like once you try to really grasp it, then it doesn't, yeah. Mm. Uh, because I think that is the nature of divine feminine. It's something that is constantly changing. Um, mm. And, and yeah, it's never the same and um, something ungraspable and it's, it is the mystery. And um, the void and all the things, I, I guess another way is all the things that patriarchy tried to um, kind of hijack into, no, this is what the exalted feminine is based on what mm. we, is what we think is useful for us, you know? Yeah. Everything that's not that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm just thinking about, yeah, the ultimate kind of, also divine mother, nurturer, holder, receiver of everything, like everything that exists and how all those things connect with each other. Yeah, yeah. when you said about, you know, everything that like patriarchy doesn't want to exist and suppresses, yeah. that made me think of, what you said in the beginning about anger well that's what popped into my head immediately like angry feminine patriarchy that's, does not want that ah mm -hmm. yeah. oh that is mm -hmm. divine definitely divine feminine mm -hmm. yeah that's yeah. like i mean i feel like this for myself anger is something i really have had to reclaim and i'm still in process of reclaiming because it's still not as easy to access for me because of that. It's like, that was never something that was acceptable or allowed. Like our anger was never treated as um, okay or sacred. And we know it is, and we know it's powerful, but I guess that's why they don't want us to have it. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And that's why I think um, 
we like this is the inner gaslighter right the one that's trying to protect us under patriarchy to be like no you're not angry no 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 everything's fine oh my god <laughs> i know that hits <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah anger is mhm mm mhm mm yeah. but it's such a powerful catalyst for change and no wonder this you know it's yeah right and it's like how could we not be angry looking at the world looking at what has been stolen from us looking what has been stolen from others like how can we not be angry yeah it's almost like uh if you are a sentient being <laughs> living yeah. in this world right now and you're not going crazy and you're not like just you know feeling all this stuff then that's actually more concerning. Yeah. Yeah. The idea of not being able to feel right now is terrifying. Yeah. Uh-huh. And being in just kind of in a state of denial. Yeah. 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 And deny I mean, you said this too, but like I'm just thinking of all the times that I've been in a space of denial in my own life and how you just reach a point where it's like, you just can't do it anymore. It's like the yeah. voices get too loud and it's like you get shaken out of it. Yes. Uh-huh. And that, that's, um, that's actually a sign of health. Mm. Oh. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. All the, you know, all the, the parts that are not numbed mm. to life that want to, they're almost that are like knocking on your consciousness being like, hey, you know, and this is what triggers are, right? Like, hey, 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 you have yeah. a wound here. Hey, look at this, look at this. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's also in a sense what Dark Night of the Soul is for people. Like it is like the, it's like all those haze that have been ignored for so long that they just kind of gang up, you know, one yeah. big <laughs> mafia, I don't know. <laughs> Like a big resuscitator, like, okay. Yeah. Wake up. Yeah. And that's why mm -hmm. it's so uncomfortable. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I was just talking, having a conversation the other day about it, how it's actually, um, I think it is a spiritual rebirth that every one of us go through and many times in our life, but there is a crucial, critical, I think um, there is that first spiritual rebirth that kind of lets the next ones be a lot easier. Kind of like the first child you have for a lot of women, <laughs> it's, you know, the most, cause it's your first time and you don't know and all of that. But we go through, we each go through those spiritual births, but because it's so, I feel like we've lost connection to um, even knowing that that's what's happening. Yeah. Um, that most of us go through that completely alone, like I did. Um, I know that's so common and we go through that thinking, oh, we just you know have these labels like, oh, I'm depressed or going through a deep existential crisis um, and shaming ourselves for that when in fact, no, like you're going through a birth and we need doulas <laughs> to help us through that and community yeah. and to be seen in that process. 
Yeah, it doesn't have to be so like it doesn't have to be something that you like suffer through. Yeah, mm-hmm. or do alone. Yeah, do alone. Mm-hmm. Mm. I mean, so much of what we've been talking about is around like the subconscious, and this is just a space that I'm in right now. So I'm curious mm-hmm. to hear, from you, but I've been working with my dreams a lot this year. <gasps> Yeah, I'm wondering if if you work with your dreams at all or if you connect any of this work to dream work or yeah, what your thoughts are about that. Oh, yeah. I love dream, just like dream analysis. And mm -hmm. Um, I'm actually also, I mean, I had a, like this whole morning, I've been in a really dreamy state just processing mm. dreams. So yeah, I yeah. I love connecting what's happening in dream life to to waking life. Yeah, I always feel like mm. there's and sometimes you like waking up from a dream, it's almost like the whole day there's a part of me that's continuously kind of working through that dream. Mm. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Mm-hmm. I've been, um, just the past few weeks, it seems like every morning when I wake up, I stay in, like, I stay in bed, and I'm just, like, returning to the dream in my, like, I'm awake, but I'm laying in bed still, and I'm returning to the dream and noticing things in the dream that I didn't notice. Like, I don't know. It's really interesting. Yeah. Like, exploring it before I've emerged into the world. Like, almost like you're letting yourself stay there and re-entering yeah that's what it feels like like i'm going to to sleep Uh uh-huh uh-huh yeah 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 and there's so much to dreams where i'm just like i don't understand it but i mean it feels like another one of those like very yin spaces and things or it's like it's so fascinating and kind of unknowable but so much there to like engage with and return to yeah (gasps) (laughs) yes um like this morning I woke up from a dream feeling so sad um and actually that kind of led me to segue into yeah I was in the liminal space for like a longer time and Mm -hmm. and then that kind of segued into going to whole like soul retrieval with an inner child aspect of mine yeah um so it's interesting how that just like it brought up some kind of trauma feeling of not like something that I really wanted and being denied that Mm. so I was just kind of meditating with that feeling and and that opened up another memory from childhood of that happening and and that yeah so yeah i love i mean dreams are just they're such a bridge yeah let yourself kind of really take each happening or character or the scene as yeah it's it's a metaphor mm-hmm. yeah and i mean it's so interesting like, like i feel like what you're saying really speaks to the 
how nonlinear it all is, like healing in general and dreams yeah. too. It's like a dream can open up something for you, just like a trigger can or a feeling. Yeah. It's like all of these things are avenues into like yeah. healing. Yeah. Yes. Like um, something in the present going on that takes you into something in the past and then mm. in the present you're working all those things out yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah oh so fascinating it's so fascinating i'm like yeah. looking at the time and i don't want to keep you oh. i'm like <laughs> i guess i have to ask you the last question for this show but <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm just really enjoying i feel like i'm in this non-linear definitely some we're not in time <laughs> Oh, it's perfect. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, but this, this is actually a really good nonlinear sort of dreamy question too. But um, because the name of the podcast is Living Open, what mm -hmm. does Living Open mean to you? What comes up when you hear that or think about it? Oh, yeah. It's so, well, I just saw an image of... No, I just saw like, um, it's weird. I just saw like myself and yeah, it's like, there's a moon in my, it's just like an open moon inside my body. That's just transparent. <laughs> that's what I saw. Wow. <laughs> Incredible. So I think, okay, that's also a dream symbol. And I think now looking at that symbol image, um, I think, and based on our conversation and yeah, all this work around unsuppressing the feminine, um, the deep, dark, void, unseen realms, um, which is the moon also mm -hmm. that that it's about how we can allow this space to be seen and expressed and that it's also the fact that the moon was in the body that's embodied mm -hmm. yeah that's so yeah mm -hmm. yeah Thank you for sharing that yeah. Can you, um, can you tell everyone where they can find you and work with you and all of those lovely things? Yeah, so I guess um, there's my Instagram, at Kwan Yin, K-W-O-N-Y-I-N. And uh, my website is kwanyin.global. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm actually... Right now, um, I'll be releasing a new course Ooh. on Halloween. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about it. <laughs> and um, it's called Visibility Shame Catharsis. Oh. <laughs> needed. <laughs> like already needed. <laughs> and it's all about how you can unsuppress yourself so that you can really truly um let yourself be authentic about where you are mm. and 
and, and that in allowing yourself to be seen is what allows you to really get your needs met. If, if there's a block there, then we're, we're blocking our ability to connect and be in the world in relationship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that sounds so lovely. <laughs> so, yeah. Thank you so much for everything you shared and, and for being here. I appreciate it so much. Yeah, thank you for the space. I really yeah. enjoyed it too. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you for being here. Another year around the sun, another year of this podcast and this incredible community. I feel so honored to be in your earbuds and your speaker, to be connected with you on Instagram. Um, It really is such a delight, honestly, to be able to share this project that is so heart-centered for me with you and to know that it's helping you in some way. So if you feel called and you want to support the show, be in exchange with the show, you can tap five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. Um, Those are really nice ways to be in exchange with the show and they're really helpful for indie podcasters like me. I know every podcaster is telling you this, but it's true. (laughs) Um, So I hope you all have a beautiful week and just a little note here too, if it's not too late for you to register to vote in your state and you are planning to vote, then let's get it done. I think there's a lot to be said, there's a lot to be said that has already been said before about voting and about harm reduction and also no shame here for folks who are choosing not to vote, especially as people who are marginalized under white supremacy um, and the gender binary and all of these things. So whatever, there's no shame here if you're deciding not to vote. I'll be voting and I'm just going to share that. It feels like a really small thing I can do as a white person to hopefully, um, yeah, have some harm reduction in office. And I mean, maybe it won't be. This is incredibly, this is an incredibly violent system and structure, but my hope is that a Biden-Harris presidency will at least protect some of the most vulnerable among us in a way that a Trump presidency is certainly not. So anyways, I hope you vote if you feel like voting. And um, if not, that's all good too. I will be back on Monday with another interview. I'll see you then.